0: Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit AnthemforAll.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago.
1: Thank you, Aidan and Charles and Eloise. That was an incredible time of worship. I would love for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. I mentioned at the start of, the, of this evening's meeting that this is a time of year, the Easter weekend is a time of year where Christians all over the world are taking uh, the opportunity to to look back on and to consider and to reflect on and celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And that's obviously what we're doing tonight and we'll be doing on Sunday morning as well. What's interesting is the text that we're going to look at this evening, Isaiah chapter 53, we find Isaiah doing exactly the same thing. Considering and celebrating the reality of a Savior who died for us. But what's interesting is he's doing it 700 years before Jesus did in fact die on the cross and was raised three days later. Isaiah chapter 53 is essentially a window into the very heart, into the very epicenter of the Christian faith. And that is that Jesus came as a substitute, as a a sacrifice for us, taking on himself the, the sin and the sickness and the savagery of the world. And, and in dying, defeated it so that he could reconcile us. Where we were once separated from God, we are now reconciled in relationship with him. It describes this incredible double exchange that, that, that happens. Jesus uh, takes on himself our sin, and in exchange, we receive his life. Life as it was meant to be lived, eternal life. And that's what Paul describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He writes this God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Think about that for a moment. This remarkable, incredible exchange that happens. Our sin placed on Jesus, Jesus' life and perfection placed on us. There are times when we have different convictions on how we walk out our faith in Jesus and, and how we worship him. And, but despite these, vari- these variations in, in our convictions, we are, we are still brothers and sisters in Christ. It's as if these convictions are written in pencil. They can easily be re- erased and moved, and it won't change the reality of our, of our relationship with, with one another because we are in Christ. But there are certain truths that are found in God's word that are not written in pencil They are written in blood. If they were to be removed, what we would have is not a variation of Christianity, but we wouldn't have Christianity at all. And that's the reality of of the the truths that are found in Isaiah chapter 53 and all that it it, um, actually prophesies. So I want us to take a few moments to dive into this incredible text together. Let's read from verse 1. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1, he starts, Who has believed our message. What a, an appropriate way to start. I mean, essentially, he's, he's saying, you, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. The God of, of heaven and earth comes down to live as one of us and takes upon himself the sin of the world and so that we wouldn't have to face the punishment because of our sin and instead gives us eternal life. I would never want us as a, as a church community to become overly familiar with the incredible, breathtaking, beautiful truth of the gospel. I pray that the gospel would never become ordinary truth to us. He says, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? When, in the Old Testament, when we see references to the arm of God, it's, it refers to his might. It refers to his strength. It refers to his power. Essentially what Isaiah is saying, uh, the the might and the power and the strength of God has been made known to him. And he's saying, you won't believe what it looks like. He tells us exactly what it looks like in verse 2 and in verse verse 3. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. When I read these verses, it reminds me of the passage that we preached a few weeks ago out of the book of Revelation, chapter 5. In, in that particular chapter, John hears of this victorious, all conquering uh, warrior who is worthy to take the scroll from the Father and execute on the plan and purposes of God. This, this, this all-conquering warrior is described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's what John hears. And so he, he turns in anticipation of seeing this all-conquering warrior. And instead what he sees is a lamb seated on the throne looking as if it has been slain. Contained in, in that reality of the sense of, of victory, yet this the victory coming through suffering is what is so glorious, but also so surprising and so shocking about the gospel and the, the very thing of what Isaiah is trying to capture here. The gospel is a gospel of victory and freedom and, 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 and wholeness and redemption for all, for all nations and across all generations. That's, that is the arm of the Lord. But that victory and that freedom and that redemption comes through humility and suffering and sacrifice. Ultimately, it comes through the death of one who was despised and rejected by humankind. In these first three verses of Isaiah chapter 53, I think we're invited to consider firstly the surprise of the cross. Let's continue reading in verse 4. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Firstly, we are to consider the surprise of the cross. Secondly, in these verses, I think we are invited to consider the substitution that takes place at the cross. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 surely has to be one of the most remarkable verses in all of Scripture but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. It describes four things that happened to Jesus in order that we might come into wholeness and freedom. Isaiah tells us that Jesus was pierced for us. He was crushed for us. He was punished for us He was wounded for us. He went through all of that so that our sins could be forgiven and that we would be able to live in peace and freedom and wholeness. And if we believe that Jesus went through that and suffered ultimately to death, why do we settle for, for less than what Jesus is suffering and ultimately his death paid for? Without wanting to focus too much on it, I think we have to ask and answer the question, why is the cross so violent and so shameful? Jesus was whipped and flogged. A crown of thorns was placed on his head. Nails were driven into his wrists and into his ankles, and, and his side was pierced. Pieces of his beard was ripped out. He was scorned and ridiculed, and, 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 and a shame was placed on him. He was stripped naked. And I think the reason why the cross is so, so violent and, and so full of shame is because essentially God is stepping into the collective shoes of mankind and paying the price for every unhelpful, every hurtful, every shameful, every violent, every unthinkably evil act that anyone at any time has ever done. That's the extent and the consequence of the substitution that Isaiah is inviting us to consider. The the day that Jesus was was found guilty and was was set aside to be executed, there was one person who um, experienced and enjoyed the substitution uh, uh, almost immediately and directly more than anyone else ever has. That person was a prisoner by the name of Barabbas. Interestingly, Barabbas' name means son of the father, which is exactly what Jesus is. And Barabbas was found guilty of insurrection, of of causing a crowd of people to rise up in, in violent revolt of the government. That's the crime that Jesus was wrongly executed for. It was Jewish custom at Passover for one prisoner to be released. And the crowd of Jews that had gathered at Jesus' trial cried out that it would would be Barabbas that would be freed. Imagine what Barabbas went through of the morning that he was set aside to be executed in the most horrific of ways. A jailer would have walked into Barabbas' prison cell and said to him, Barabbas, you won't believe it, but today you are set free. Someone else this man called Jesus is going to be executed in your place. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but I wonder whether Barabbas stayed behind to look and find out who this Jesus was. I suspect he might have. I suspect he might have hid himself somehow, and within the crowd of people that are frenzied at the certainty or the possibility of, of Jesus' death, he, he, he would have been able to hide himself in the crowd. And I can imagine Barabbas watching every time Jesus is scorned and ridiculed, every time a piece of Jesus' beard is pulled out, every time he is flogged or whipped or a a hammer drives the nail deeper into his wrists and into his ankles, every time that happens, I I imagine Barabbas thinking, that should have been me. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we were healed. Tonight, let's consider the substitution of the cross. Verse seven in Isaiah 53, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth have encouraged us to consider the surprise of the cross, to consider the substitution of the cross, and thirdly, in verse seven, and finally, I think we we're invited to consider the silence of the cross. Jesus was oppressed and afflicted, but he was wrongly accused, yet Jesus remained silent. And this is remarkable to consider when we read the Gospels and we see when Jesus was opposed by the religious leaders or or by people wanting to slow down the advancing of God's kingdom, Jesus was was sharp and smart and, and wise and winsome in his responses. Yet in the face of gross injustice, he chooses silence and he chooses to deliberately and intentionally walk into the cross. For all the injustice that Jesus faced and suffered, we mustn't make the mistake of thinking that Jesus was murdered because he wasn't. He willingly laid down his life and endured the cross in order that we would be set free. I think there are times when it is appropriate for us to sit in the stillness and the silence of uncertainty. When everything within us demands or cries out for questions to be answered. And I think we are currently facing one of those times when we are searching everywhere for answers to why this is all happening, this current pandemic. And sometimes we need to sit in the the silence. That's the invitation that is before us now, to sit in the silence and the stillness of the cross and to feel that silence and stillness. And I think, in fact, sometimes it's, it's the appropriate response when ordinarily we would demand an answer or an explanation. Is a song that I would love for you, for us, to take a moment to sit in silence as we listen to the song. It's called Wait For You by Leland, and I've asked Aidan to play it for us. As we consider the surprise of the cross, As we consider the substitution of the cross, as we consider the silence of the cross, I want to encourage you to sit and to allow the words of this song to minister to you this evening.
0: Still I'll wait here for you I will take your hand I will take your hand When I don't understand Still I'll take your hand For you Still I'll wait here for you Bye. And these mountains won't move Still I'll wait here for you I will take your hand I will take your hand And when I don't understand Still I'll take your That you won't always be there waiting, and where can I go? That you won't always be there waiting for me.
1: Isn't that song incredible? Uh, There's so many lines in there that just have really spoken to me over the months that I've listened to it. I, I, I love this line. When I don't understand, still I take your hand. And then later on, when I don't understand, I keep on standing. The surprise of the cross the substitution of the cross, and the silence of the cross. We are invited to point people to the cross. We are invited to meditate and to consider the reality of the cross. We celebrate Jesus because of his death on the cross. But the truth is is that we are not Friday people. Sunday is coming. Silence will eventually turn into exuberant praise. As Psalm 30 tells us, uh, weeping may endure for the night, But shouts of joy come in the morning. And I want to read the last few verses of Isaiah 53 from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible. He says this, Still, it's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it was worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones as he himself carries, as, as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest honors, Because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch. Because he embraced the company of the lowest, he took on his shoulders the sin of many. We must consider the surprise of the cross. We must consider the substitution that took place at the cross. We must consider the silence of the cross. But also, we need to consider the spoils of the the cross. The rewards that came as a consequence of Jesus' death and resurrection, and that's what we're going to be doing on Sunday morning. As we close out this evening's sermon, I would love to be able to pray for you tonight. There's a few little things that I felt God just put on my heart, and so I'm going to ask you where you are just to close your eyes and respond in your heart as you perhaps feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the power of what happened on the cross. Jesus, we are so overwhelmed at the reality that you were obedient to the Father's will. And we look back and consider all that you have done for us through your death on the cross. Holy Spirit, as I just walk us through these opportunities to respond to the word tonight, I pray that you would minister deeply into our hearts. Just stay in that place of praying this evening. As we consider the surprise of the cross, perhaps some of you out there have maybe considered God's arm too short to save you from your current situation or that Jesus isn't the one able to rescue rescue you from your current plight. As you consider the, the surprise of the cross, Let's invite Jesus into those darkest places. Let's invite Jesus into those seemingly impossible situations. Let's invite Jesus and ask Jesus to rescue us as only he is able. As we consider the substitution of the cross, I want to ask the question, the question are we perhaps settling for anything less than what Jesus ultimately paid for? Jesus paid paid that we might have peace. Jesus paid that we might have freedom. Jesus paid the price that we might have wholeness and healing. And sometimes, if you're anything like me, sometimes we settle for less than what Jesus paid for. If there are areas where we are struggling and we've read tonight that Jesus has rescued us and paid the price for those things, let's bring those things before God. And then lastly, as we consider the silence of the cross, maybe you are finding it hard to wait for the morning like watchmen are called to wait for the morning, to wait for the sunrise. Maybe we are getting anxious or overwhelmed at what seems like no sense of breakthrough. I want to remind us that Sunday is coming. I want to remind us that there will be joy in the morning, although there is darkness throughout the night. And Father, I want to pray for your uh, uh, strength, your supernatural strength to be on your people, to be able to prevail in this time of difficulty and hardship, but to rest in the knowledge that you will rescue us, to rest in the knowledge that Jesus, you were raised from the dead three days after your death. And because of that, we have hope. Yes, Lord Jesus, the cross is surprising. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the wonderful substitution that took place. We rest in the silence and the reality of what you achieved on the cross. But Lord God, we look forward with great anticipation to Sunday as we learn about the rewards and the spoils of the cross. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem
0: Church Chicago and visit us at anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.